Ethan, it's good to get to be with you this morning. I, I love singing with you. I love the words we sung in that last song. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Uh, I, I think of, it reminds me of 2 Corinthians 4 when we sing that. Paul says, we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look to the things, not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. It's great to get to be able to gather with you and to sing together with you on a Sunday morning. Uh, this, This morning is our last uh, sermon in the series on welcoming, and, and this morning's going to look a little bit different. I'll uh, explain to you in a moment how it's going to look different, but if you have your Bibles, you can open up to L- Luke chapter 6. We're going to be in Luke chapter ch- 6 in verses 32 through 36 there this morning together. Uh, I can still remember boarding a plane in early 2009, uh, headed for a place that I had never been before to spend the the next five months of my life around people I had never met before. Uh, I I was 19 years old, and and despite the fact that over the past year, I had told people over and over again, there is no way that I will do a gap year program, uh, because I thought they were both a waste of time and a waste of money. Here I was boarding a plane headed straight for a gap year program. Uh, Despite the fact that as I boarded that plane, I I was anxious, uncertain about what the future held, and and honestly still wishing that I could have come up with a good enough reason to back out of this and not go. And yet fully convinced that this was a step of obedience that God was calling me to take in my life at the time. And as I look back on that five-month discipleship program, I see that God taught me many important lessons, but, but maybe one of the most important ones as I reflect on that time is this, that obedience is costly, but worth it. That, that obedience to God, it rarely is easy, but always is worth it. And I would guess all of you, if you think of your life, you could point to stories or examples where you've seen that to be true as well. And yet that's a truth that I so easily forget and need to be reminded of frequently. That when there's some new area I think God might be calling me to, to obey him, I see the challenges and the difficulty, or I can only see those things And I can forget to remember that it is worth it. It's worth it. And so here's here's my goal for this morning as we wrap up this series. To remind us of that truth. But by connecting it to God's call to us to show hospitality. Specifically, hospitality to strangers. That we might recognize and believe and live like showing hospitality is costly but worth it. That's the the big idea I'm giving for this morning. Like I said, this morning's going to look a little bit different because we're going to spend the first part of our morning looking at Luke 6, 32 through 36 together. And then the second half of our morning together, we're actually going to spend watching a a video, uh, hearing from some people at Keystone 
who have been seeking to welcome strangers into their lives to get to hear some of their story. Uh, It'll be from some people on a refugee team here at Keystone. But but we'll start again by looking at this passage in Luke 6. And in this passage, we're going to look at Jesus is specifically talking about loving our enemies. Loving our enemies. And while strangers may not be our enemies per se, we do have a tendency, I think, to treat strangers in the same way we treat enemies. That we're content to keep them at a distance rather than seeking to welcome them into our lives and know them and love them and bring them into our homes and churches and lives as well. This is why I believe the words we're going to read in Luke 6 apply not just to loving our enemies, but also to welcoming in strangers and showing them hospitality. And for clarity's sake this morning, when I use that word strangers during this time, I'm specifically referring to those who don't know Christ, who are unbelievers, those often outside the church, although sometimes inside the church as well. So let's read together in Luke 6, Jesus' words to his followers including to us today. He says this, If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. God, I pray that you would guide our time here this morning. We we, we believe that you are present with us that the everlasting God, the creator of all things, the one who rules sovereign over our lives and everything in this world and universe, that we come to hear from you. And so I pray that you would speak through your spirit, through your word, to shape us and mold us into the people that you want us to be, to remind us of the hope that we have and the hope that we have to offer to this world and that you might help us to live as those called to show hospitality to strangers. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's look first of all at why this passage would tell us it is necessary, necessary for us to seek to show hospitality to strangers. These verses come in the middle of what's often referred to as the Sermon on the Plain which is compared to uh, another sermon that Jesus gave, or maybe it's the same one, we're not quite sure, uh, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 through 7. And, And in both of these sermons, Jesus is telling his followers how we are called to look different and be distinct from the world around And some of that involves how we are called to love and who we are called to love. And what we find is that hospitality to strangers is necessary to be distinct in the world. Hospitality to strangers is necessary to be distinct in this world. Jesus says to us, if you only love those who love you and do good to those who do good to you, 
and give to those who you expect to pay you back, well, what difference does that make from anyone else? Does it everyone do that in the world? And we could add to that, well, if you only welcome in, if you only welcome in those who talk like you and think like you and act like you and look like you and believe like you, well, what difference does that make from anyone else in the world? Doesn't, doesn't everyone do that? Showing hospitality to strangers is an opportunity to stick out and be distinct, especially in a post-Christian 21st century where welcoming in people who are strangers seems really strange at times. Don't don't miss this, church. The, The darker we may feel like things get in this world, the more we actually have an opportunity to be what we're called to be, salt and light to this world. Which is what Jesus calls his followers to in Matthew 5, 13 through 14. It's really easy, I think, for the church myself included, to complain and lament all the things that we think are going wrong and forget the darker things might get, the more we have an opportunity in this world. That that maybe you can think of it in a small way, almost as if we're, we're called to be like this little lizard that you probably can't even see that my son got two weeks ago. It's a little glow in the dark lizard. And it's so small that when the lights are on, you probably can't really see it, especially if you're sitting in the back. You don't even know if I'm holding up a lizard. It is, I promise you. But if you were to shut off all the lights, make it completely dark in here, this little lizard would probably be one of the first things that you would see because all of a sudden it starts to stick out in the midst of the darkness. That's the same type of image that followers of Christ have, this opportunity that as we feel like things might be getting darker to actually stick out and be different. That that as cultural Christianity gets erased, real, genuine, biblical Christianity gets the opportunity to be highlighted and people to see what it really means to follow Jesus. Rosaria Butterfield, in, in her book, the gospel comes with a house key, which we've quoted already in this series. She says, instead of feeling sidelined by the sucker punches of post-Christianity, Christians are called to practice radically ordinary hospitality to renew, renew their resolve in Christ. And then listen to these lines. The best days are ahead. Jesus advances from the front line. Jesus advances from the front line. Part of this opportunity for us is to welcome in sinners who think differently than us, believe differently than us, and live differently than us, and genuinely seek to know them and love them because they're made in the image of God, while also not affirming their sin. That that can be hard to do, and that requires wisdom. And yet, what an opportunity to stick out in a world that increasingly doesn't have that, a category for that type of love. A love that says, I, I, I love you and I'm going to welcome you in because I want to know you. And yet, because I love you, I'm not going to affirm you in your sin. And isn't that exactly the type of love that God has for us? That, that he welcomes us in and accepts us into our family or his family without ever affirming us in our sin. Which gets to the second thing. Hospitality to strangers is necessary to reflect God. In this passage, in verse 35, we're told that by loving our enemies, which we can include showing hospitality to strangers under that, we will be sons of the Most High. What does that mean? 
by showing hospitality to strangers, we will be sons of the Most High. It, it doesn't mean that showing hospitality to strangers makes us sons and daughters of God. Now, that happens when God saves us in Christ, right? We don't do that by our effort. God does that through Christ. But showing hospitality to strangers reveals that we are sons and daughters of God. It, it shows, to use a phrase, it shows that we are a chip off the old block, that we bear the family likeness and name because our father is a God who loves to welcome strangers and enemies. We, we see it even in these verses we read in Luke 6.35. He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. We see it scattered throughout the Old Testament in places like Leviticus 19.33-34. When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. We see it in Romans 5.10, where we're told, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. These verses should affect how we view strangers. These verses and others in the Bible should come into our conversations about how we talk about things like immigration as as Christians. Right? Our God is a God who loves strangers and enemies. And don't miss it, our eternal destiny hangs on that truth. If God didn't love strangers and enemies, you and I would be doomed and hopeless. Like if God only loved people who were like him, the Trinity, or he only loved the Israelites, you and I would be hopeless. And yet specifically because God pursues strangers and enemies, that he sent his son to save us and make us part of his family. God God is on a mission to reach strangers, enemies, and sinners and make them part of his family. And as followers of Jesus, we are both beneficiaries of that mission because God has saved us, and now we're called to be active participants in that mission. Hospitality to strangers is necessary for the gospel to advance in this world. Hospitality to strangers is necessary for the gospel to advance in this world. The advance and spread of the gospel will not happen without welcoming strangers into our lives and seeking to know them and love them. Do do you believe that? That that if we want to see more and more people hear the message of who Jesus is and what he's done for them, it will be necessary for us to reach out and seek to welcome strangers into our lives in hopes of getting to talk about Christ and the gospel and the hope we have. Think back with me for a moment on March 2020. March 2020. You should be able to know that date in your head pretty quickly. Because in March 2020 we were forced into a lockdown in order to help slow the spread of COVID. Now, whether you agree with that lockdown or not, don't get your fists up. That's not the point, right? The point is we were told to isolate ourselves from others in order to slow the spread of something. Can can I suggest to you that as Christians, it's really easy for us to go into a voluntary lockdown. 
where we isolate ourselves from outsiders and strangers and other people who are different. And we stay isolated in our nice little homes and churches. And we seclude strangers and keep them at a distance. And we just stay in our huddles and don't rub shoulders with those who think, live, believe, and talk differently than us. There may be no more effective way to slow the spread of the gospel than that. And confession, I I say that as someone fully aware that I am just as guilty of that as anyone else. The the gospel will not advance beyond our own homes, our own lives, and our own churches unless we seek to welcome strangers into our own homes, lives, and churches. Think with me, imagine with me for a moment that five years from now or 10 years from now, there were 50 people among us, worshiping God, followers of Jesus, who as of today were unbelievers who had maybe never even stepped foot inside a church before. If we could trace that back five, 10 years, how did those people get here? Somewhere along the line, I'm gonna guess there was a believer who stepped out in faith and obedience and sought to welcome that person into their life to get to know them and along the way to have conversations about Christ and what he's done in their life. And as part of that, God worked to save this person and bring them into his family. Steve, Steve Childers, an expert in the field of evangelism, has said this, you know what the key to evangelism in the 21st century will be? Hospitality. Hospitality. I don't know if it's the key necessarily, but I do think it's a big part of what it looks like to spread the hope of the gospel we have. And perhaps that's why showing hospitality to strangers can be so challenging. This gets to the battle at the heart of hospitality to strangers. There's such a tendency in us to gravitate towards those who are like us, right? Who think like us, who talk like us, who have the same views as us, who believe the same things as us. Why? Because we gravitate towards what is familiar and comfortable. And showing hospitality to strangers is rarely going to be familiar or comfortable. It's going to force us out of that gravitational pull and take us into what is unfamiliar and uncomfortable, which is almost always challenging and costly for us to do. But, but isn't that always the case with following Jesus? Doesn't Jesus say a lot to his disciples about the cost of following him in this world? And yet I want to suggest the battle behind all the costs and challenges of hospitality, hospitality, all the uh, having to make time, money, energy, all the awkwardness that might come, all those challenges we think. I I want to suggest behind all that lies this. Has God commanded us to welcome in sinners and strangers and show hospitality to them? Has God commanded us as his followers to welcome in strangers and show hospitality to them? And if he has, then the battle is this. Will I seek to obey God or will I let fear and comfort keep me from obeying God? Will I seek to obey God or will I let fear and comfort keep me from obeying God? I'm convinced that one of Satan's greatest weapons and tactics to keep us from the joy of obeying God is to keep us trapped in fear and comfort. 
which then means fighting the battle to obey is not simply one of willpower or one of changing habits, although that's involved. It's ultimately a battle of faith. Showing hospitality to others, especially strangers, is an act of obedience to God rooted in faith in God. This is why I, I love Hebrews 13, where in the first couple verses in that passage, we're told, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. In other words, show hospitality to strangers. And then if you keep reading down, we, we get a reason why we should do this. It says, because we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? That, that, that we obey because we have a God who is our helper and is with us, and we say, what can man do to me? Make me feel awkward? Okay, but God is with me. God is on my side. He's for me. Which then gets us to this, the surprising motivation for hospitality to strangers. Look back with me again at Luke 6, verses 32 through 36. I think I have them up on the screen again here. Jesus says, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. What reason or motivation is Jesus giving to us to love our enemies, including showing hospitality to strangers? Reward, do you get benefit, benefit, credit, reward, that, that God promises to reward obedience to him. I, I think we're scared to talk in that way at times because we, we think it might undermine or blur grace, right? God's undeserved favor to us. We go back again and again to grace. And so to talk about reward sounds like, well, are we getting somehow past grace here? Do, do you know what the word in that passage is for benefit, benefit, and credit? It's a word, charis, which is the exact same word translated over and over and over and over and over in the New Testament as grace, grace, grace. In other words, that as we step out and obey God, the, the reward God will give is that we will simply experience more of his grace in our lives, more of his grace to us as we obey, to, or obey him. So I'm going to ask, well, what is that reward? What, what might it look like? It, it might look like gaining new family and friends as we welcome strangers into our lives and they become very near and dear to us. That might be part of it, or it might not at times. But, but whether that's part of it or not, I believe the reward is ultimately a greater joy in God. That as we step out in faith, and obey God, we experience more of all he is and all he is for us. And so experience a greater joy in our God in this life and into eternity. This is why obedience, including showing hospitality to strangers, is worth it. Because while on the front side of that obedience, we may only see the cost and the challenge and the difficulty, 
on the far side of that obedience lays joy, more joy. Imagine with me for a moment that the main application for this morning was this, that when the service ends, I want you all to get in your car and drive straight for the northernmost part of Maine to a little bank that's out there. I'm guessing there are all, if that was the application, there are all sorts of things that you might say, no, I don't want to do that. All sorts of reasons that would get in the way of us doing that. That is a really long drive. I have to work tomorrow. I don't know if I'm going to make it back for work. That's really going to screw up my kids' naps and their sleeping schedule. That's going to lead to a miserable first two, week, or first two days in this week. Man, what if I get stuck in traffic? If I'm going around New York, I don't want to get stuck in traffic. That sounds terrible. It's really cold in Maine this time of year, right? I don't know how people survive up there. I don't know that I want to go up there. The NFC Championship and AFC Championship are on today, this afternoon, right? I don't want to miss that. I'm not driving to Maine to miss those things. There are all sorts of reasons. But what if I told you, I want you to go out, I want you to get in your car, and I want you to drive to the northernmost part of Maine to a little bank there because there's a million dollars waiting there for you. In that instant, all those reasons that you would not do that shrink, shrink, because we instinctively know that while driving to Maine will be costly and challenging, a million dollars is worth it. Do, do we believe that a greater joy in God is more valuable than a million dollars? Because a million dollars fades, and yet joy in God lasts forever. And if I really do believe that, what greater motivation do I need to obey God, including in showing hospitality to strangers? Yes, obedience is costly and challenge, challenging, especially showing hospitality to strangers, but It is worth it because of the reward God promises as we obey him in faith. Now, now I want to shift, and I want to give you a glimpse into what showing hospitality to strangers has looked like for some people here at Keystone as they've sought to welcome a group of strangers into their lives over the past couple months. Uh, You can direct your eyes up to the screen. This is a video for some people on a refugee team here at Keystone. And Stacy Esch, uh, Krista Lehman, and Judy Walrath, and you guys are all part of the refugee team here at Keystone. Uh, and over the past kind of month and a half, uh, you've been welcoming this family into Lancaster, uh, who's from Syria, who was living in a refugee camp for the past 10 years and just recently arrived here. Uh, so, Chris or Stacy, if you guys could just give me kind of a summary of what the past month and a half has looked like uh, and what uh, that's involved for your team in seeking to welcome this family in? Yeah, so um, a lot of the past month and a half, really almost two months at this point, has been um, kind of two main things that the team does. So one is providing transportation to and from appointments, um, getting groceries at the grocery store, um, and and then also moving them from what was a couple Airbnbs, uh, also a motel room to finally their permanent housing. So um, part of it is kind of the the transportation because they don't have any way to get from place to place. Uh, And then the second part is just the interpersonal getting to know them, um, 
kind of learning how to communicate since there is a language barrier. They don't speak much English at all. Uh, and then also just getting to know them as individuals, getting to experience their culture, uh, having conversations. Um, so uh, those two pieces together have kind of been a lot of what the team has been doing. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things uh, that when we think about welcoming people who are different than us, whether it's a family from another country, another culture, or just someone who's our neighbor who we don't know who seems different, one of the things that would hold us back from doing that is the different type of fears we might have about doing it. So I'm curious, what type of fears or concerns did you guys have in being a part of this team and welcoming this family in? Uh, and then with that, why did you say yes to doing this despite those fears? So I don't know who wants to jump in first, but whoever wants to. I, I okay. okay. Um, one of the fears that I had um, with this family was the language barrier. Um, Another real fear I had was parallel parking in the city <laughs> because I knew that they were going to be finding a place in the city. Um, so what made me say yes to it finally was um, just knowing that this was something I was supposed to be doing, that God opened this door for me because I had been praying what next did he want me to do when this door opened, so I knew I was supposed to do this. And also because last January I went to Lebanon and worked with Syrian refugees, and so that really warmed my heart towards, towards his family. For me, it was, I'm just more of an introvert, so getting to know new people is anxiety-producing for me. <laughs> um, so that was part of my saying yes, is because I feel like I, I want to do that. I need to be intentional to get out of my comfort zone and um, get to know other people. Um, and like Judy said, I felt like it was a step of obedience when they said we're gonna you know, get a team together if you're interested. And I just, I knew God was like nudging me and I just needed to be obedient mm -hmm. to do that. Um, and then I think that the other reason was, cause I was in a similar position about 15, 16 years ago when we went to Mexico. And I didn't know, we were there for a year, I didn't know much Spanish when we got there. And people came around me and helped me get used to the currency system, take me grocery shopping, how the laundromat works. And I was just so appreciative. And I just, you know, wanted to do that for somebody else. Well, yeah, I feel like anything new is scary. Um, and just the language was a huge thing. And also just their culture. Like, I don't know how they act, how they dress, what they do, you know, all those things. There's so many little things to be fearful about. Even just like, will they like me? Will I be annoying to them? I don't know. <laughs> so I think I kept thinking about those fears. And then in my mind, I was like, think of how big their fears are. Like, they don't know anyone. I can walk in there with Chris. They don't speak the language. They don't know what the sign says on the street. Like, they don't know anything. So if my fears are, will they like me? Like, it just seemed like such a little fear compared to what they're coming from and what they've experienced. It was just kind of like a no-brainer of like, we have the luxuries of understanding our culture and, and their whole life is changing. How can we um, embrace them and just, just be there for them? One other thing that we had kind of said is just the fear that it's going to be one more thing to add to our schedule. I mean, um, it's tough to add a big commitment like this and 
beforehand, we didn't even know exactly what the time commitment would be, but we knew it was going to be, uh, it was going to add busyness to our lives. So I think the fear of starting to do it and then feeling like maybe we're too busy, what do we do now? Um, and, and I think, uh, just now being two months into it, we've seen that, uh, I, I think we can all make time for what's important mm-hmm. and we might've been a little bit busier, but then maybe we let some things go or, um, didn't spend time sitting at home for an evening. And I think this is much more rewarding. And um, yeah. so I think that fear is gone at this point. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, I, I love what you guys have captured too, of um, knowing that there are those fears there and yet then being willing to step out in faith and obedience and say, but God, we think you want us to do this. So we're going to do it and see what happens. Uh, I think anytime we kind of take those steps of obedience uh, inevitably, we then experience challenges along the way, too. It's usually not smooth sailing. And so you guys have already hit on some of the challenges, the language barrier, giving up time, parallel parking. And what, what are the challenges that you guys have experienced as you've, over the past month and a half, as you've sought to welcome this family in? And how have you seen God at work in the midst of those challenges, supplying what you need? Well, I don't, if you don't mind, I'll go again. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest challenges is the housing. I never realized how hard it is to find housing in Lancaster County. It's um, renting and then probably the certain budget they have too. Um, that's been a challenge with all the moving. They've moved four times mm-hmm. into their house. It was the, the fourth move that they made into their house. So um, that, was, that was a real challenge seeing that. But this, this is how God worked. In this last house that they have, this is unbelievable. C.J. Lapp, who is a Lamanonite, the, the mother told me that he was um, Amish. I don't know where she got that. But anyways, he speaks Arabic. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was like, are you kidding? Mm-hmm. You know, where do you get someone from Lancaster <laughs> County speaking Arabic? So that was really an answer to I mean, God really worked through that one. Yeah, that's awesome. I think kind of the bounce off of that, I knew new, I didn't know anyone that spoke Arabic. Mm-hmm. We sent out the email to the church, and within a week, I knew four people that spoke Arabic. <laughs> it's like, it's just so cool to see, like, you throw the fleece out there and mm-hmm. see God bring people and bring what you need. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with the housing. Like, they don't have, they didn't have social security cards. They don't have jobs. Mm-hmm. Housing market's crazy in general. <laughs> so to find, add those um, additional hindrances. It's just, it's crazy to see God bringing all the right people and it might not be in the timing that we want or, um, might not be exactly how we expect it to be, but he's just keeps showing up and it's really, really awesome to see. That's cool. What are are there other challenges outside the, the housing one being the big one and the language barrier, uh, other challenges that you guys have experienced? I had one, it wasn't a huge challenge, but I had to take them um, to an appointment. And so, you know, we got there and what? Then they said they need groceries. So we quick went to get groceries and came back and said, okay, now we need to go. We need to be there at like one o'clock. And two of them were missing. And I'm like, where, where are they at? And they're like, oh, they're praying. Oh. And so we had to just wait. Like this was their time to pray. And... Um, so we just waited till they were done and then quick jumped in the car and, and got over there and, you know, we were a little late maybe, but it worked out totally fine. But 
I just didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't think about that. There were certain times that they prayed and we need to work around that. Yeah. Yeah. Were you going to add anything else? I mean, there was a situation, <laughs> um, yeah, on, on the actually evening of the Thanksgiving Eve service here at Keystone, um, we pulled into the parking lot, we're ready to come into the service and got a text from the family saying that they were locked out of their house. At the time it was an Airbnb uh, and the door lock, the battery had died on it. Um, and it was pretty cold that evening. So they were stuck on their front porch, couldn't get into the house. Uh, and so we drove back in and thankfully were uh, able to find a phone number online for the owner of the house because uh, we didn't have any contact information um, and CWS was closed. and. So uh, just a really cool circumstance of we were able to find a phone number. That guy gave us another phone number. Eventually, we contacted someone who was able to come out and (laughs) unlock the house. Um, But really cool to see God work in that situation. Uh, And it was a little bit tense in the moment, but it worked out okay. And they were very grateful and um, just thankful that we were able to come out and help. So that was neat, but Mm -hmm. certainly a challenge. Yeah. I, I want to go back to a moment before you guys all mentioned the language barrier earlier. Um, and uh, I think of there, there could be people at Keystone who have neighbors uh, who um, maybe that is one of the barriers of like, I don't, I'm not able to have a conversation with them. That they don't um, speak English or speak it well. So that I feel like I can't. How have you guys overcome that barrier? Uh, and have, how have you been able to build a relationship even with that barrier? I love Google Translate. Yeah. yeah. So do you feel like you're able to have a conversation over Google Translate? Like, okay. Yeah, I okay. do. I do. Okay. But also then there are times, I mean, like we kind of point, we kind of act out yeah. a little bit. Yeah. And there's just sometimes, even with the Google Translate, mm. I just don't know what they're trying to say. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And, you know, we just... <laughs> I don't know, and then <laughs> laugh and move on to the next thing. Yeah. So it really, you know, it's, it hasn't, I feel like the majority of time we can get our point across or, or whatever, mm-hmm. and the times that we can't, it hasn't kept us from mm-hmm. accomplishing what we need to do. So. Yeah. And there's just so many like fun little ways, like we've brought different games over, like Uno to teach them how to, the colors in English. And then they'll teach us some things in Arabic. And I've learned probably three words and it's hardest to understand the dad, but he will say good Arabic. <laughs> That's pretty much it. And we'll just make hand motions and smile at each other. And, and we aren't having great conversations, but like that love and that care is evident and it's just, it's fun. Yeah. It is also amazing to see how much is translated through hand motions and expression. Um, because oftentimes I'll have no idea what they're showing me on their phone screen. Uh, but what they're saying with their face and their hands is very clear. And, um, so I think that helps. I mean, it's, still probably a lot lost in translation, but you can get the idea of what each person is saying most of the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would guess there are some just fun stories too of uh, as you were trying to communicate uh, miscommunications, whatever it might be in the midst of that. Uh, I I think one of the things that often happens as we uh, step out and serve other people, uh, in, in this case, welcoming someone who's different into our lives is God not only ends up using us to bless them, which is maybe what we expect kind of first of all, 
but then also ends up kind of blessing us in the process. Mm -hmm. And so I'd love to hear what have been uh, some of the most rewarding parts for you guys so far, or some of the highlights of this so far for you. The food. <laughs> every time, meal for you? Oh, yeah. every okay. time we go so the, over, okay. she makes this huge meal. It covers the table, and we've learned not to eat dinner before we go over because that never works out. But their hospitality, it's like breathing to them. Like, they are just so good. They want you to come in. They want to give you everything they have. It's just, it's it's the way that they live. Yeah. And it's been so fun just to experience that. And the food is so good. And I tell her all the time and <laughs> it's just cool. It's almost like they care so much about us feeling at home yeah. and we're trying to make them feel at home. Yeah. And I hope we all feel at home, <laughs> which yeah. we do. So is it you'll like, you'll get there and you'll essentially have a sit down meal with them. Like, yes. And you've learned to expect like, that's part of what's going to be involved in going over. Or okay. even if they've wow. already eaten, like they'll always offer tea, they'll always okay. offer coffee. It's okay. just a lot of hospitality. Okay. Yeah. The culture, learning the culture, I think has been very rewarding mm -hmm. and that's part of it. Um, but yeah, they always have tea, coffee. They want to sit down. They'll, they'll give, all of their guests the seats. If there are more guests than there are seats at the table, then the kids go eat in the kitchen or on the couch. Um, but they're just very giving in everything. Um, and you see that the most in food, but really, um, yeah, they love having people over. It's an honor for them to host. And that's been really neat to see. And uh, I think kind of convicting in some ways then, mm -hmm. uh, especially going through this series, yeah, yeah. like mm -hmm. thinking, man, do I open my house up? like? the way that they do and yeah. how can we be doing that better? So uh, I think we've learned a lot from them. Yeah. Yeah. It's how? fascinating that they do that a month and a half into being right. into a completely new country, having a completely new home. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, how it's blessed me is their friendship. Hmm. Um, I was there the other day and she wasn't feeling well cause she had gotten shots. Mm -hmm. And so um, she said she had a temperature of 40 centigrade and which is really high I guess <laughs> over 100 <laughs> and um and so I said oh well I'll I'll go and you can rest and so she put on the translator she said it said I was waiting for when Judy was going to come see me and I thought that's so endearing you know so that their friendship means a lot to me Yep. Oh, good. <laughs> one last thing. Um, we were talking with them, and at one point, through tears, she just looked at me and said, we thought we would be alone and sad when we got here, but you guys have become our second family. And so while the food is great, we feel like they're our second family. Like, we love their kids. The hugs when we walk in, and um, it's, just, it's just so fun to see them. I was going to say that, too. They just light up when you walk, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm not always able to say exactly when I'm getting there or whatever. So, you know, I'll just knock on the door and then the door and, and right away it's come in and, um, and they don't want so you to welcoming. leave. They want yes. you to keep staying yeah. and staying yeah. and staying. Yeah. And they, yeah, they come running downstairs or, mm -hmm. you know, to, and give hugs and, and stuff. And that's just really sweet. Um, but I think one other thing that's really blessed me is, how the church has really also gotten behind. Like when we said, okay, we're moving them in. Well, even before they came and the list was sent out and man, right away, the it was filled up. Mm -hmm. And 
And then when we're moving them, there were some additional things that we needed and how people just stepped up right away of, mm -hmm. you know, giving the item that's needed or money mm -hmm. towards that. And um, I just, that really blessed me mm -hmm. and just made me feel proud of our church mm -hmm. family. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's neat. So the last question is, is in relation in some ways to the rest of the church at Keystone. Uh, obviously not everyone is going to be part of welcoming in a refugee family to Lancaster. Um, but uh, all of us are in some ways going to be called to seek to welcome someone who is unfamiliar or stranger into our lives at times. And so what have you guys learned in this process so far that might be an encouragement to the rest of the church uh, as we seek to step outside what's comfortable and, and welcome others into our lives? Um, we need to say yes. I think that that's so important. Um, we get so many rewards when we when we're obedient and we say yes to to look to the Lord, what He's prompting us to do. That um, I'm, I'm not a great parallel parker at all, and he, even now, but have you improved though? No, not really. But He opens. <laughs> Sorry, you can hit the curve. That's what it's there for. But right? he, this is the thing. He knows that God knows I'm not, so He opens up a spot for me, a big spot. <laughs> so yeah, so that's it's been great. And it's just just by going, I feel like if I didn't go, I would be, I would be missing out. You know, sometimes you you need to, you don't realize what you're missing until you have it, and then you say, wow, I could have missed out on this if I didn't do it. I think for me, it's been, you know, really seeing, even though we dress different or talk different or eat different. There's so many things that we do have in common. Mm -hmm. And, you know, mm -hmm. we all want to love and be loved. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we want a future and a hope. And mm -hmm. um, so that's, yeah, that's kind of been a, a neat thing mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. learn and encourage people that. Mm -hmm. I'd say just do it. Stop thinking. <laughs> Stop thinking too much. Just do it. Like, it's going to be awkward. They feel awkward too. But the love that can come from that awkwardness is just so cool to see. Um, and I think, too, like, it's so easy to think, well, we don't know Arabic. We haven't taken classes on their culture. We don't know any, like, we don't know anything. But the way that a smile and just extending friendship and care um, is it's just so cool how it can just build deep relationships. So just don't think about it and just do it. <laughs> yeah, I think I feel that um, if we're willing to open ourselves to something that's more challenging and something out of our routines and our regular social groups, uh, we're much more likely to see God work mm -hmm. in uh, a lot of different ways. I mean, it's a really cool way to just... I don't know, when you're in routine, you go through the same things every day. Mm -hmm. You might not always see what God's doing. Mm -hmm. um, and, and when you're able to kind of get out of your comfort zone and be stretched a little bit, I think it really opens your eyes to um, what he's doing all over the place. And um, yeah, just such a blessing to be involved in um, a family from a different culture and learn more about them and uh, be able to show God's love to them. It's, it's been a really neat experience. Yeah. Cool. Well, 
thank you guys for all saying yes and doing this, uh, but also thank you for this conversation. Uh, it's been great just getting to talk with you guys and hear some of this. Appreciate it. There are words in that video because I hear them speaking to me when they say things like, we just need to say yes uh, and just do it. Uh, my, my wife and I have said throughout this series, uh, hospitality seems to be one of those things that it's really easy for us to think about and talk about. And I've heard this from others too. And yet to stop there with thinking and hearing and talking and not actually then doing it and, and, and seeking to show hospitality. And so I want to encourage us as we wrap up this series to not simply be hearers of the word, not simply be talkers of the word, but be doers of the word, like James says. James says this uh, in James 1, verse 22, and then 25, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And so, Here's my encouragement for us this morning. I'm not giving really any new application apart from what we've already said in this series, but my encouragement is to have us obey, uh, trusting God to supply the grace as we step out in faith and trusting that he will also reward that obedience by grace with a greater joy in him. And so I just leave you with what, what, what are ways that you and I might seek to make Keystone a more welcoming church? On a Sunday morning, again, how, how can you make welcoming other people a practice and a priority as we gather together? Uh, how, how are you going to seek to invite people into your life and home in 2024? We, we were say it, it won't, I don't think it happens uh, accidentally. Ma- make a goal. Put dates on the calendar. Make a list of who you want to have over and include some people on that who might be unbelievers or outside the church. Let's step out in faith, obey God in this area, uh, and see what he might do in the coming year as we do. Let's pray together. Father, we recognize uh, that we are not people who live by willpower or grit or our own determination, but rather we are people who live by your strength, your grace, your help, your spirit. And so I pray that you would uh, keep the words of this series ringing in my own ears as well as in the ears of all of us and that we might step out in new ways to welcome people into our lives, Uh, that we might do it even though we might be afraid, even though it might be time-consuming and costly, trusting that you will supply the grace we need and that you will be at work in it. And God, I pray that we would get to see you at work uh, as we seek to welcome people in our lives, including welcoming strangers, we would see your hand moving and working. And as a result, we would praise you and say, it was worth it. We have such a great and powerful God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.